0: That's one small script per Columbia,
1: Columbia. and we're back Let's shift positions here. We've talked a lot about Thibodeau and the coaching staff and the players. Let's focus back on the draft. And to help us do that, we brought in a draft expert. He runs Babcock Hoops. He's a former player agent. Matt Babcock. Matt, what is up? Thank you for coming on.
0: Hey, how are you doing?
1: Good, good. So, uh, Eli, you wanted to kick it off with –
0: yeah, so, so Matt, so the way that we kind of linked up on this was a conversation on Twitter that sort of, that came out after you released, I think your most recent mock draft. And the conversation we were having was, you know, I was asking you, I noticed that you had a bunch of big men in your, in your lottery. So you had Wiseman one, in two, and you had Okongwu four. So that's three kind of big men in the top five. And then also Isaiah Stewart and Precious Achua in the lottery as well which is higher than we've seen most of them I mean Obi Toppin and Wiseman and Okongu are all considered lottery locks but especially for those lower two uh, that's higher than we see them in a lot of places and so the conversation sort of kicked off around draft philosophy and you coming from more of the personnel side and from having been on the other end of this equation and how that might impact the way that you see it in a different way than most of us who are sort of watching from the sidelines and making our own analysis. Um, and from what I understand, a lot of it is, especially with guys like Stewart and Atua, is that, you know, the confidence that they're going to come in right away and that you feel certain that these guys are guys who can just lock down an NBA role and just play it. And it's, they might not be an upside pick, but it's a sort of a safety pick. Uh, so I guess I what I wanted to know is coming from your end, and then having transferred over to being more of like writing about it and online and seeing the, the quote unquote draft Twitter world. Um, sort of where you see discrepancies in the two approaches uh, because I think you know what we're all trying to do is get the best idea. So we don't only wanna be approaching this from more of a detached, remove perspective. We wanna also you know, know what the teams are thinking and how they approach this and how they might approach it in ways that we don't really think about when we're on the outside.
2: Yeah, sure. No, I, a few thoughts come to mind. Uh, you know, I think the first thing is, you know, one thing that separates us uh, from other media outlets and some of these Twitter scouts is that uh, myself and and the guys that I have around me uh, all all have you know basketball experience. You know, I was a player agent for a long time. I've got a number of guys that are former NBA scouts, um, and so we've all kind of been in the trenches and, and sort of seen um you know how important all the different variables are and i think a lot of these uh, you know aspiring scouts and some journalists uh you know, kind of just lean on uh, watching film which is only you know one part of, of the whole deal here uh and so you know we, we do a ton of background and get intel and just you know i think have a better grip all the way around on, on certain guys um and then the other thing is with with our mock draft uh, how it works is you know our, our staff we simulate that we're our own front office um and I make all the picks, I, you know, I kind of feel the role as, uh, um, you know, sort of our simulation general manager, if, if you will. Uh, and, and so a lot of this is, is just my personal philosophy of how I see the game, you know, how the, I think the game should be played or how I think teams should be put together. Uh, you know, we're not we're not reporters. We're not trying to predict picks. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, uh, with, with these big guys, uh, some of it is just sort of circumstantial. Uh, you know this year's draft is a little bit underwhelming as far as the star power goes, and so I think with that, with that being said, uh, teams, you know, will likely and, and should uh, look at fits a little bit more. You know, I, I don't think there's any guys that you just kind of take blindly and just build around. I think they they need to fit with what you're doing, uh, fit with some of the other assets that you already have. And so you know, Wiseman, Okungwu, Top, I mean, all these guys they they fit those teams decently. And um, you know, and we had some other players that slipped a little bit because of that that concept as well.
0: Yeah. And I noticed that there's also, you know, the inverse of that. Is some guys who are generally considered higher by, you know, the draft Twitter world, you know, guys like Grant Riller and Desmond Bain, uh, even Josh Green are, you know, fall to sort of the low end. Uh, Josh Green is I think you have him as the first pick of the second round and then Bain and Riller are sort of right in the middle of the second round. Uh, Any, any thoughts on why you might have those guys sort of lower than what you generally see as the consensus out there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some players, I, I sort of, uh, you know, value certain things more than others. Uh, you know, with Riller, I, I really like Riller. Um, you know, we actually did. We had him on for, for a Q and a Really good kid, a good player. Uh, my concern with him is, you know, can he play a lot of point guard? And, and you know, I, I question it. Um, you know, he, he thinks he can, and I, and I hope he can. I hope he can develop that and, and translate. Uh, but my concern is, is he a little undersized for being a two guard? And, uh, and, you know, for with him specifically, that's what, you know, brings him back a little bit for me, you know, as opposed to, you know, some people having him as, you know, like a solid first-round pick. I think it's, that would be a little bit higher for him. Uh, I think Tyrese Maxey falls into that same boat for me. Uh, I, I question his ability to play point guard, so now we're looking at another six two shooting guard. Uh, and so it's not like I dislike these guys. Uh, I just don't value value them quite as much as some people do because of, you know, that, that, uh, that
0: outlook. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I guess my, my last question just in specifically this topic is sort of where do you see spots that are kind of blind spots for, you know, what we call like the draft Twitter and the people who are just writing about it for their blogs. Like we are over here at the Knicks wall. Um, when you're when you're watching that discourse, are there spots that you think people don't see as much that you think should be brought more to their attention?
2: Um, I'm not sure I fully understand your question, but you know the one thing that I think that um, really really is the biggest difference maker is is intel. You know, uh, you know some journalists do a good job of of surveying the league, surveying college coaches. Like Sam Vassili did a great article recently. Uh, so did Jonathan Wasserman where they talked to a number of different people and um, you know, and we were really happy to see these articles because a lot of the, the information that they gathered uh, was, was much more online with, with everything we've been saying. Uh, and so, but yeah, I think that's a big difference with us is that we do, you know, we, we work our network uh, and get a lot of Intel and get a feel for the kids, their personality um, you know, and just, you know, their character, their work ethic you know, all, all the little things that you don't really see in a box score or see on film. Uh, you know, that's a big part of, of how we're valuing these kids because we're we're really trying to take you know, the same approach that these general managers and these front offices are.
0: And is it fair to say that a guy like Isaiah Stewart would be one of those guys where, you know, I, I listened to your conversation with Sam Bassini and it's, it really seems like that's one of the things he can't stop talking about is how much everyone raves about Stewart. So did that factor into you having him higher than, you know, a lot of people might see him on the like, Oh, board?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's sort of the poster child for that for that idea. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've got him at nine right now going to Washington. And uh, so I've got like that first eight guys. Like that's my first tier. And I mean, I, I've got sort of like a ranking within that first tier. But uh, after that, I think there's a bit of a drop off. And, um, you know, Isaiah Stewart going nine, I, I think that is aggressive. That's on his high side. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking at Washington. I'm like, okay, they could go with a the wing, they can go with a big. All right, if I'm going with the big, who do I want? all right, Isaiah Stewart, that guy's going to be at least a solid player and somebody that we want on our team and sort of be a culture builder and whatnot. And so, yeah, Isaiah, definitely his background moves him up a lot.
1: Yeah, and just building off that in terms of what Eli was saying with the difference between journalists or blog people scouting – Is that you think there's still an international bias because now it's kind of shifted to where I'm talking about Denny in particular here, where it's went from Europeans have this like, oh, I'm not sure about him. He's playing over in Europe to now it's, oh, he's Luca. Do you kind of feel like the Europeans have kind of caught up in terms of being draft prospects or do you think there's still a bias there? You know, I mean,
2: maybe from a media standpoint, you know, I, I think the media and now, you know, the, the whole Twitter scout, scout world's got got a life of its own, right? So um, I, I think a lot of that is, uh, you know, bandwagon stuff, uh, you know, behind closed doors within the NBA, I mean, everybody that's in decision-making, you know, roles, you know, has experience, either as former players or just working in the NBA for a long time. And, I, you know, I don't think they're as easily swayed by hype. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, the trends you know, Giannis has done so well and obviously uh you know Luca. Um, you know, so you're looking at what Obdi is doing at at a high level right now. I mean, I it's something that we take a look at, you know, but I'm not I'm not just jumping all in just because of that alone, you know. And uh I mean the people that are saying he's the next Luca, that's that's not really fair to uh to D in my opinion. But um I really like Denny. Um uh, but you know we, we kinda got to look at the at the whole picture, you know, with every single player.
1: Right. And in the international scene is there a certain league like you know for basketball we'll say all right well let's see who coach Cal's bringing into Kentucky or let's see what Duke's one and done class is looking like is there a league that we should be focusing on I know Luka came from Spain Denny's in Israel is there any league that if you're scouting you're like all right, I'm going to see what's popping in that league first and then go from there
2: uh, not necessarily. I'm mean, obviously if, if a guy's playing in the EuroLeague, which is you know the top teams from a number of different national leagues, uh, that that's that's impressive. So I mean, you know, Luca and Denny, you know, playing pretty much in the best best league in the world outside of the NBA and, and being productive. Um, I mean, that's that's definitely you know very interesting you know part of the evaluation with him. Uh, but you know, there's a number of guys that that we watch. I mean, uh, uh Alexei is playing for second division uh, Greece, which is just Not very good, not very competitive, Uh, you know, but, you know, we try not to let that sway us too much. I mean, Pokozewski has a lot of upside and talent. It's just a totally different evaluation if you're looking at a guy playing against grown men that are close to NBA caliber or, you know, second division Greece. And so it's just, you got to look at it case by case.
1: And how do you get past that? Like for Poko you mentioned, how do you say like, okay, how do you justify the talent from relative to the other talent that he's playing with, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think with that there, there's a lot more risk. You know, I mean, he's just he's naturally not not as proven. You know, I mean, if he hasn't gone up against you know high level competition, and we don't have a you know large sample size of it. it it's just that there's naturally going to be a risk. I mean, that, that goes to the same boat with uh, you know guys like Jay Scrub, who's coming from a junior college, or or uh, Josh Hall, who's coming from a prep school. You know, I mean, I'm super intrigued with both those guys too, uh, but there's definitely a higher level of risk uh, just because they're 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 not they're not as proven as, as some of these other players.
1: Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, I just wanted to shift to the Knicks. You have LaMelo going six over on your mock draft, which I love. And I love all your Knicks picks, by the way. Tyrese Maxey falling to 27 would be a dream. But people, everyone seems to think LaMelo is going to end up in New York one way or another. My fear is that's going to take away from possibly getting Denny. But before we get there, I just want to know why are you so confident? Not confident. Yes. Why are you so confident in LaMelo succeeding in New York?
2: Uh, it seems like a good fit. I mean, they they need they need a primetime player, and, and I'm not on on the on the same you know, page with everybody that that's you know saying that LaMelo is a surefire star. I think he has a chance. I like I like a lot of the things that he brings to the table. He's got great size. He's got a neck. Uh, but you know he's still got some maturing to do and growing. Uh, but you know, I mean, with him being a guy that could be you know, a primetime player that I think that's what the Knicks need. And so, uh, I mean, right now I, I see that the three guys that make the most sense for the Knicks, depending on where they're going to you know, fall in the lottery, uh, would probably be Anthony Edwards, number one, because I, I think he's got the absolute most upside in the draft. Um, and, you know, Lamelo probably number two with Denny, you know, right behind him. Uh, but, you know, all three guys I think could be, uh, you know, kind of handle the, the bright lights in New York and, and kind of, you know, potentially fill a role where they could, you know, be the guy that kind of helped them move the needle.
1: Yeah, and I think with the 2020 free agent class not looking at nearly as good as 2019, and I kind of get the sense that Thibodeau was brought here to win instead of do a rebuild. I think they're going to go for a Lamelo or Anthony Edwards. Eli talked about Edwards on our last pod, that he's becoming a more possibility under Thibodeau. Why do you think Edwards could fit New York in terms of, do you think he would, Thibodeau would bring out the best in him, or do you think it's pure star potential? Well,
2: obviously, you know Thibodeau is is known for being a hard nosed defensive coach, and you know with Anthony Edwards, he's not very good defensively right now. He just, I, I think he just, you know, needs to mature and just needs to learn how to play. And uh, I've said this a number of times. He, he's kind of a product of AAU basketball, where it's, you give him the ball, get out of his way, and he's hitting all these crazy shots, you know, contested shots from all over the court. Uh, doesn't apply himself on the defensive end, um, and, and LaMelo's kind of kind of the same way. I think the big difference is. Anthony Edwards has all of the physical tools to not only be a good defender, I mean, he has all the physical tools to be an elite defender. And LaMelo, I think no matter what happens, he's probably going to be pretty average on that side of the ball. So, I mean, that's one thing I think that would play into um, them liking Anthony Edwards over a ball. Because offensively, they both are very just kind of raw talents and just have of a knack to, to make you know, star-like plays. Uh, but the defensive end, from a potential standpoint, Anthony Edwards is clearly ahead of LaMelo.
1: How would you like his fit on offense? Because for me, I know RJ's shooting is kind of in limbo. Mitchell Robinson hasn't really flexed an open shot, an outside shot yet. Julius Randall is still there. Do you think Edwards is capable of becoming like a number one scorer, or do you think they would still need to look for that top scorer?
2: Oh, I think Anthony Edwards absolutely can be a number one scorer. That, that's why he's so intriguing. I mean, granted, you know, he does need to to improve and learn how to play, uh, but he has the talent. He can create his own shot. Uh, you know, I was actually I was at the Maui Invitational this year, and he was really struggling to start. And uh, second half against Michigan State, he had 33 points in the second half. And, you know, the, the whole NBA was there, and um, everybody was, you know, eyes wide open kind of thing. And, you know, he had a very up-and-down year. Uh, but, you know, a game like that showed us his potential. of Like, okay, this guy could be, could be a really, you know, star player. And so, um, yeah, I think if the Knicks had the opportunity to get Edwards, that that should be their guy in my opinion.
1: Right, and I just wanted to put you on your agent hat now. Now, let's say you're representing LaMelo and the Knicks end up fourth overall. How do you navigate making sure your client gets to where he wants to go if you're an agent? Because I can really sense that LaMelo can do that, especially if the top three is like the Warriors, Hawks, and Cavs, where no teams – or actually the Phillip Pistons are there to make a little uncertainty. How do you kind of navigate your guy not going to a team he doesn't want to go to?
2: You know, I mean, there's really – the reality of it is there, there's not much you can do to, to force the team one way or the other. Uh, I mean, what what you can do to, to try is just kind of pull scare tactics, you know, essentially just be a pain in the butt. You know, say, hey, we, our guys want to be there. We're not coming to work out. Maybe withhold information, you know, not let the guy to the combine so they get the medical information, um, stuff like that. And I'll give you a story. Um, you know, my dad's been in the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks for years, and uh, a long time ago they were uh, – they're, 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 they had a high lottery pick, and they knew the guy they wanted, and the agent was so difficult, made it very clear he did not want the player going there. And it got to the point on draft night where they, they, that this agent, um, it was a prominent agent, he's passed away since, but uh, called, called my dad and the general manager at the time threatening threatening them, saying, if you draft my guy, I'm going to ruin your careers. Um, long story short, they took the guy, and that agent changed his tune really quickly, and that player played for the box. So um, you know, that, that, I think that's a perfect example of you know, the agents may say they have a lot of influence and power, uh, but you know the, the teams really shouldn't buy into it because I, I just don't think it makes a big difference
1: <laughs> that's funny now do you think teams ever get engaged in that so like if the knicks with the knicks start to put pressure on detroit for example is there any way they could even do that where they kind of maybe try and trade ahead of them is that probably the only way to kind of get your yeah, gotta pass you know, it's,
2: all, it's all possible i mean it's all you know posturing and angling and whatnot. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, if a team wants to take a guy, I don't think that they should be scared to take him. I mean, you know, they'll get over it quick. I mean, there's a lot of money on the line. And, you know, players, you know, all these all these threats are all just bluffs, really.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm assume that's what happened with Steph Curry back in 2009. And that's the only way I get past that. But just before you get out of here, you talked about a lot of money on the table. And you back in 2015, you helped negotiate the largest contract for a second-round pick. Mitchell Robinson's a second-round pick. The Knicks will have to pay him eventually. He signed with Rich Paul, who's becoming the league super agent. A, do you think Mitch is going to get a massive payday? And B, if you're the Knicks, would you pay it?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, there's it, Mitch's situation is pretty interesting, right? And uh, I mean, it's very similar to Jokic last year with the Nuggets. You know, being a second-round pick, kind of kind of throws a curveball, you know, at the Knicks. Uh, So let's look at it from an agent standpoint. You've got a guy who's, uh, I mean, Mitchell robinson he's still only 21, right? Yep. And so you got a 21-year-old guy that's already been productive, but you're, you know, you're needing to try and quantify upside because the kid's got all the upside in the world. And so, um, you know, kind of putting together a comparison for him to to, to create a number of that he's worth is really challenging for the agent and the team. But that's, if I'm the agent, that's what I'm pushing. I absolutely would not do an extension. I mean, there's a lot of limitations on, on how much money you can make uh, with an with an extension. Uh, what the Nuggets did with Jokic was smart. Is they uh, so they they declined his option, and then they were able to reneg- renegotiate a, a contract. It wasn't an extension, but it was essentially just a you know free agency deal. So they're able to give him a big deal. Uh, I would imagine that's what the Knicks are going to do. Uh, you know that they, they do have a ton of cap space if they renounce all the rights to, to some of their guys. But this year's free agent class is pretty underwhelming. So I I think they will probably, um, you know, probably not pick up his option and sign him to a big deal. That that would be my guess.
0: Yeah, that seems right. Um, so before we let you get out of here, I have one more question for you. Uh, with the Tibbs news breaking yesterday, I believe, um, just wanted to gauge what was your reaction to that. If you think, it, does the his time in Minnesota and the relative lack of success kind of make you more apprehensive about that? Do you think he's a good fit with the RJ, Mitch, whoever else you might want to include in the next core going forward? Where are you at with the, the Thibodeau hiring?
2: You know, I mean, you know, he's obviously a proven coach. I mean, he had a lot of success in Chicago. He's well-respected, especially on the defensive end. I mean, he gets his guys to play hard. Uh, Obviously, there's some negative that's come with his past. Obviously, Minnesota didn't work well. Um, You know, I I think the biggest thing with the Knicks, uh, regardless of who the coach is, they just need some more talent. And so uh, I I think there's a lot of pressure on Leon and and the new crew uh, to get some players in the course. I mean, I think this draft's really important. I think think the lottery night is important for them because, I mean, they, they need to get one of those top guys. Uh, to help them move the needle. And uh, you know, they also could be players in the trade market, you know, just because they have cap space doesn't mean they have to sign guys. Uh, they can use that cap space to absorb big contracts and, and add some, add some players. And um, at the end of the day, this is a star driven league and the Knicks need, need a star or two.
1: Yeah. Could not agree more. And I think with Leon Rose there, I think it's going to be a quick turnaround, whether we like it or not, but uh, yeah. So on that note, Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Make sure to follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Babcock11, and make sure to follow Babcock Ho- Babcock Hoops at Babcock Hoops. Matt, anything to plug? Any new content coming up anytime soon?
2: Yeah, we're just uh, we're staying staying at it. Obviously, we got the, the draft coming up here in the next couple months, and so uh, yeah, just keep following us on BabcockHoops.com and and on Twitter at Babcock Hoops, and we'll just uh, you know, continue to do interviews with players, write different articles. So uh, yeah, just stay tuned.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, thank you again for joining us and for everybody listening until next week.
0: Thanks guys.